0: all right um good to see you all welcome and uh praise god wonderful testimony from trevor and that really sums up the message today doesn't it your sorrow will be turned into joy your sorrow will be turned into joy so this morning we're going to be finishing up in that special passage in john's gospel john 13 14 15 and 16 where jesus poured into his disciples the most important truths he wanted them to get a hold of it was the the day before he went to the cross okay the old testament had come to an end so the beginning of the new testament and he wanted to usher them into the the new covenant and also prepare them for what was to come and so we're going to look at that and uh, finish up in chapter 16 this morning so let's get straight into it the first part is quite a lengthy passage but Just um, follow through with me if you can read the text up on the screen. Jesus said, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father they said therefore what is this that he says a little while will you not know what he's saying now jesus knew that they desired to ask him and he said to them are you inquiring among yourselves about what i said a little while and you will not see me and uh, uh, again a little while and you will see me most assuredly i say to you that you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful but your sorrow will be turned into joy a woman when she's in labor has sorrow because her hour has come but as soon as she has given birth to the child she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world therefore you now have sorrow but i will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you beautiful words now bear with me if you've heard me tell you this story before a man went for an interview for a job and uh, the man that was interviewing him said what do you expect from our company what are your expectations so he said well I'd like to uh, work a four-day week uh, four hours a day with a one-hour lunch break And six weeks paid holidays a year, and I'd like a salary of $150,000 a year. So the guy looked at him and said, "Well, look, how about we give you all of that, but instead of giving you $150,000 a year, we pay you $200,000 a year." And the guy looked at him and says, "Wow, you're joking." He said, "Yeah, but you started it." (laughs) Now. What, what he could have said is, welcome to the real world. <laughs> yeah? And, and sometimes I think, you know, um, I've heard some teaching that seems to give the impression that if you trust in Jesus, you'll never have any problems again. <laughs> everything will go smooth in your life. You can have everything you want, in fact. It's all plain sailing. And I say, welcome to the real world. Welcome to the real world. Because Jesus never promised that. Amen? In fact, as Christians, you know, we live on the same fallen planet as everyone else. We go through the same uh, trials and, and challenges, and as Jesus used the word, tribulations. The difference is this, we have divine resources to go through those times. And what Jesus promised is not that we would not have sorrow from time to time. And in fact, I think we've heard that in the testimony. There are times of sorrow, but he says, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Now, we're going to look at what Jesus said and try to just go through it. The phrase, a little while, you probably noticed he said that a few times, In fact, seven times in four verses. We read that phrase, a little while. Okay. so the first time he said a little while refers to the fact of his death and burial. Within two hours from what he said then, he would be arrested and put on trial and then eventually crucified. But then the second, a little while, when he said, you'll see me, but it'll only be for a little while because I go to the Father, that was referring to the resurrection and the ascension. Yes, there would be sorrow for a little while. Jesus tells them that in a little while they will weep and lament at his death. Can you just imagine how it was for them put yourself in their position it was like the bottom fell out of their world i know jesus told them about his death but they just didn't quite get it they certainly didn't get onto to the fact of the resurrection they didn't understand these things it didn't sink in and they just did not know they were confused they were shattered they were huddled together in a room and they were weeping and mourning and lamenting and yet he says You know that sorrow will be turned to joy. Look at this. When, when after the resurrection, when Mary came to the tomb, he says she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Can you just imagine that? Three days they were just really just didn't know how to deal with what they were going through. And then another instance there, we we see Jesus drawing alongside two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus, and they too were just absolutely shattered. And confused. And Jesus drew alongside them in his resurrected form, they didn't recognize him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Sadness all around. In the world you will have times of sorrow. Amen. Their sorrow would also intensify as the world rejoices to see the end of him. And don't we feel that sometimes as Christians? when when we see how much god loves this world and is reaching out to this world and has given his son to die for this world but people still want to shut him out they still want to shut him out They, they rejoice to see him not mentioned and they'll try to kind of you know cut him out of our lives altogether and that adds to the sorrow but after a short while their grief would be turned into joy and that's what we read we read that um, the, the ladies that came to the tomb, they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, because the angel had announced that he was risen, and they ran to bring the disciples' word again. And then, then those go, go back to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus said their hearts were sad, but, but as he began to talk to them and, and explain to them, you know, Moses. And all the prophets said all these things would happen to Jesus. And then, it, then they said at the end, didn't our hearts burn within us? Jesus can take sad hearts and make them into burning hearts, hearts that are ablaze with joy and gladness. And then we read right at the end, just as Jesus ascended, that they worshipped and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Wow, what a turnaround in three days. What a turnaround. Hallelujah. Some time ago, I shared a sermon um, entitled The Birth, Death and Resurrection Principle. Anybody remember that? Good. (laughs) One person, two people. So It wasn't a waste of time. The Birth, Death and Resurrection Principle. It's it's all the way through the scripture. God comes and births something in us and, and he gives us great hope. You look at Abraham. I will take you and make of you a nation and, and, and out of this nation, you know, the, the seed will come. And in this seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. But then his wife is barren. And not only that, both she and he pass the age of being able to have children anyway. The death of the vision. But then God miraculously comes and does that wonderful work of grace and Isaac is born, the resurrection, it all comes back to life. The sorrow is turned to joy. Jacob, Jacob, you know, he was not the firstborn, but he was given the promise of the firstborn that through him the nation of Israel would come. And yet it all went wrong, didn't it? He tries to do it in his own strength and and, and he has to go away, you know, into a far country to, to stay with his uncle, his mother. Rebecca sends him away 20 years you know death so like you know where, where's this promise coming to pass but you know what happened in that 20 years the 12 sons of jacob are born which become the foundation of the nation of israel the heads of the tribes of israel and he comes back and there's his resurrection it's all come about in the working of god the birth of death and resurrection joseph is a classic example joseph has a dream that that his parents are going to bow down. His brothers will bow down to him. Others will come and bow down to him because God is going to give him such an elevated position. But then he boasts about it. His brothers sell him as a slave into Egypt. He ends up in prison. The death of the, the vision. The death of the dream. And then, was it a couple of years later, within three minutes he goes from being An accused rapist, a prisoner, to being the prime minister of the most powerful nation on earth. The birth, death, and resurrection. I could go on, talk about Moses, talk about David, and and this birth, death, and resurrection principle. And I'm sure if I was to share with some of you, you'd say, you know what? There's a similar story in my life. God takes our sorrow and He turns it into joy. You may be going through a time of testing now a time of trouble it's not that god just does it without purpose or allows us to go through these things without purpose or meaning because he could shield us from those times if he wanted to he could prevent those times from becoming our experience but he allows us to go through them and usually great times of joy and blessing follow a period of testing and suffering that's the way it is Remember, Jesus' first miracle was to turn the water into wine. You notice I've underlined that word turn. Because he turns our sorrow into joy. He doesn't replace our sorrow with joy, just like he turned the water into wine. He takes what we have. You know, if you have you only got water at a wedding <laughs> you know, and you want to serve that to the guests, you're not going to be very popular. But he takes the water and he turns it into wine. And that's what he does with our sorrows. And that's why I think it's great that Jesus likened his brief parting from them, that time of sorrow, to a woman in labor. Suffering often prepares us for the new beginnings as with the birth of a child. A woman is going through labor, through childbirth you know then that sorrow is turned into joy without that sorrow there could there could be no newborn baby no new beginning and god does that the joy will never be taken from us that's the good thing he says the joy that i will give you that comes out of the sorrow is a joy that will never be taken from you and friends the sufferings of this life uh, I often reflect upon the sufferings because you you encounter them time and time again every day you encounter so much suffering in this world and and everybody asks the question why to some extent there are answers but not fully in the Bible God has not shown us the full picture but I love this and I've always hung on to this what, what Paul said the sufferings of this life are for a little while a little while and they give way to endless joy. Paul says, "I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us." Hallelujah! I love that. That, that term, "I consider," I think the actually the King James puts it better. he says, "I reckon." It's, it's a, it's a reckoning. It's a mathematical term. I, I've, I've done my sums. I've added it up. I put the sorrows of this world into one side of the the, the balancing scales, and and the glory that's going to be revealed. You know, that, by the way, that word glory means weight. <laughs> it means a weight. It's heavy. The glory that is to be revealed in us, and boom, there's no comparison. There is no way you can compare them. Hallelujah. We groan, says Paul but our sorrow will be turned into joy. And in a similar way, it is, quote, a little while also before the sufferings endured by the church, the persecution will be replaced with uninterrupted joy when Jesus returns. Hebrews chapter 10 the writer of the Hebrews uses that same phrase, "Look at this: for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for quote yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry it 's a little while in compar- it might be a lifetime you know he might not come in your time and my lifetime, but he 's coming, and in comparison it 's only a little while this lifetime is only a little little while in comparison with the eternal ages there's no comparison look at this 2 corinthians chapter 4 verses 17 to 18 paul says our light affliction and incidentally you need to look at the context of that we haven't got time but what he calls light affliction i would not call that light affliction what he was going through but he said our light affliction which is but for a moment or you could say a little while Mm? is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory for while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal hallelujah so jesus helps us to get perspective your sorrow will be turned into joy then he says this and in that day in that day you notice i've underlined that what day is that this, the, the day when their sorrow was turned into joy the resurrection in that day you will ask me nothing most assuredly i say to you whatever you ask the father in my name he will give you until now you have asked nothing in my name ask and you will receive that your joy may be full See, in that day, the resurrection changes everything. Amen? The resurrection changes everything. If you read the Old Testament, please read it. Don't feel that because we're in the New Covenant, you cannot read the Old Testament. But always bring it through the cross and the resurrection. We're in the New Covenant now. Amen? The resurrection was the start of the new day. I don't want to get into kind of, you know, sabbaths and all that but but if you want a reason why we worship on this on the sunday and not the saturday is because it marked the new the beginning of the new age of the new covenant in which we're in the first day of the week amen when jesus rose from the dead and, and so we celebrate the resurrection of jesus christ which marks makes the, the marks the beginning of the new day and, and friends whatever you whatever way you look at your life you must bring it through the cross and the resurrection that's what changes everything you are a new creation you're not a product of the past you're not a product of your history you're a product of the cross and the resurrection you're a new creation in christ jesus there would even be a change in their prayer life They would not have the physical presence of Jesus with them and would not be able as before to ask him directly as they were. Instead, now, whatever they needed to know, they could go direct to the Father in Jesus' name with boldness and confidence because of the merits of Jesus. Hallelujah. So can we. So can we. That's our privilege. Then he goes on to say, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, see that? In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Notice that. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and I go to the Father. Let's look at that. Much of Jesus' teaching was obscure to them up until this point. Why? Because it could only be understood in the light of the cross and the resurrection so imagine that they were with jesus for three years he taught them a lot of it they did not grasp because they needed to take it through the filter of the cross and the resurrection and so the future at this stage was unclear to them but after the resurrection his teaching would become much clearer you know the, the, those two go back to those two again on the road to emmaus jesus drew alongside them and he began to explain to them all things concerning himself, beginning from Moses all the way through the prophets, how they were telling that everything is coming to this incredible climax at the cross. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So, the first thing then is you've got these disciples who did not understand much of what jesus was saying though they were with him that time until the resurrection and then that's why chapters 13 14 15 16 he's trying to explain things to them how it's going to be from here on but then we read this in acts chapter 1 verse 3 that he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So if you've wondered why Jesus still hung around for 40 days after the resurrection, this is the reason, because they still had much to learn, much explaining to to be given to them about the new covenant age. And so he spent that time with them. And then we read that the complete fulfilment of their understanding was given with the coming of the Spirit, to you now you if, if you've read the, the bible much you know there's a, a an incredible difference between the gospels the teaching in the gospels and the epistles and, and the, the, you know the epistles take what jesus shared but they expand on it in depth and detail because of that greater revelation that came to them that's the reason because jesus shared things with them which they weren't going to get because The cross and the resurrection hadn't taken place but once that had taken place and jesus was able to then interpret everything in the light of that that, and the holy spirit came then they had these wonderful revelations that we have in the in the uh, new testament epistles this difference also will be seen in, in the way that they prayed jesus assures them that he does not need to persuade the father To be favorable towards them because the father loves them in other words you know we've heard it said a few times already here there'll be times when we muck up we get it wrong and we think almost somehow that jesus has to go back to the father and put another word in for us so we can be accepted it's not like that jesus said you've got to understand the father loves you the Father loves you. You've got to get that. It's not conditional upon our behavior or our performance. And, uh, you know, this is illustrated in the Old Testament. You remember in the life of Joseph, he was sold by his brothers. It was a terrible thing what they did as a slave. But as we've said, you know, God turned that around and lifted Joseph up. Eventually, the brothers came to Egypt. And when he revealed himself to them, he said, listen, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And it wasn't actually you that sent me here. It was God. It was God who sent me ahead to prepare the way so that I could be a blessing to to the world this day of this time of famine. Then a couple of chapters later, Jacob died. And when Jacob died, the brothers became afraid. They became afraid. They said, no, maybe now Joseph's in this incredible position of power. Maybe now he's going to get his revenge on us. And so they concocted a story. They came to Joseph and they said, "Ah, before he died, our dad said (laughs) to tell you, to go easy on us, you know, because of what we did. And, you know, we didn't really mean it, sort of blah, blah, blah. Do you know what we read then? Joseph wept. He wept. You know why he wept? Because he already told them, it's okay. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. And you're still, you still don't get it. You're still in fear of me. Now, remember, Joseph here is a type of Jesus. Is a type of Christ and, and and Jesus is grieved when we do not believe that the father loves us that we think we have to go to him every time and ask him to put another word in for us because we've mucked up again we've got it wrong it's not like that friends his sacrifice on the cross was once and for all through that one sacrifice we've been perfected forever by the grace of God we have a standing before god that is not conditional it's not based upon our ups and downs our highs and lows it's not based upon our performance and our behavior and and he wants us to know god loves us the father will hear us because he loves us he loves us so he loves them loves us not in the same way that he loves the world god so loves the world But he loves the world in a different way. He loves the world in in that he's reaching out to them and wanting the world to be reconciled to him because he's reconciled to the world through the cross. And he wants the world to become reconciled to him, but they're not reconciled to him yet. But he loves us in a different way because we're his children now. We're the sons of God, we're his family. And you know, if you don't believe in his love, it grieves the Lord. That's what grieves the Lord. It's it's not, um, please, I'm not going light on sin or anything like that. But they're not the things that grieve the Lord. What grieves the Lord is if we still don't believe in his love. When he's assured us that he loves us. And that's what Jesus was saying to his disciples here. I would not need to go and put a word in for you every time. The Father loves you. Do you get that? The Father himself loves you. So their love to the Son is evidenced by their faith. Their faith, they believe that he came forth from God, that he is the Son of God. And there are four vital facts of our faith that are mentioned there in that passage. First of all, the deity of Christ. Jesus came forth from God, very God of very God, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father. Secondly, the humanity of Christ, that he came into this world into this world this material world this physical world this lived as a human being amongst human beings he added humanity to his deity one person two nations fully god now fully man we believe that and then the death and resurrection that's why he came as a man so that he could die as a man for humanity had a commission which here which he accomplished and then of course his ascension that he returned to the father the father sitting at his right hand showing that he approved of everything jesus did and he did it well it is finished it's a completed work and now he sits at the right hand of god as our great high priest representing us praise god okay his disciples said to him see now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you by this we believe that you came forth from god now their minds and their hearts are now at ease because he demonstrated his omniscience what do i mean by that it means that he knew everything he knew all about them he he was answering the questions they wanted to ask but they hadn't yet articulated but he could read their hearts so he was answering questions before they asked them he said well now we know that you're from god because you know you 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 know what we're thinking and you're you're answering before we've even asked you but also he told them things that would happen in the future and by this they knew that he came forth from the father And that was their last confession of him before he went to the cross. How that must have blessed Jesus, that their last confession as he went to the cross was we know you've come forth from the Father. We know you're the Son of God. Amen. Amen. And then we finish up with this. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone and yet i am not alone because the father is with me these things i have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world amen so jesus read their hearts even better than they knew he knew not only what they were thinking okay but he knew also that their faith was not yet firm that they would even desert him in his hour of trial and he revealed that to them but he who read their hearts also also showed them his heart when he saw them at their worst when they would all flee from him He showed them his best. Amen? He showed them his best, that even though they would fail him, his love was still unconditional towards them. Because his strength and his sustenance came from his relationship with the Father. Now, there are two spheres of existence. In me, in Christ that is, and in the world. In me, you will have peace but in the world you'll have tribulation okay so those who are in christ will suffer persecution from those who are in the world but this brings assurance that we belong to him it's only those who belong to him who are persecuted as i said last week truth is usually on the side of the ones persecuted not on the side of the ones who are persecuting and Jesus said, you will be persecuted, but that's because you belong to me. In me, you'll have peace. If children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, John, heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Amen? Finish with this. Notice these two facts. This is summing up what we're looking at. In, in the, you know, your, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Notice these two facts. Jesus summarized here, we will experience tribulation in the world. Okay, those, those teachings that say that we can be shielded from that because we're Christians, that's false teaching. In the world, we will experience the same tr- troubles and challenges as anyone else, but we have different resources to deal with it. We have the victory because we have overcome the world and we believe in him. Assurance of victory is based on his triumph and is a fitting note to end the upper room discourses. Soon, that's in chapter 17, Jesus would pray for his disciples. Before he did, he summarised the purpose of the long talk he had with them, to give them peace and the settled assurance of Being overcome. let's read that together as we just close Jesus answered do you now believe indeed the hour is coming yes has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone and yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace that's why Jesus teaches us not to make us agitated fearful afraid condemned he teaches us and feeds us with his word that we might have peace peace that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away amen Amen. let's pray let's pray together father we thank you this morning for your precious word and we just thank you that your word is life your word is light and we pray that that light will flood our hearts dispelling all darkness and fear and doubt and filling us with hope and assurance, comfort and faith. As we come into another week, Lord, we thank you and we are assured that God loves us. Regardless of our condition, God loves us with a perfect love that never changes. And we can come to you any time because of the finished work of Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory that whatever sorrow we might experience, that sorrow will be turned into joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.